Section 60 of The United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in August 2020. The World's Story, Volume 12, The United States. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 60. Why France Claimed the Mississippi Valley by James A. Garfield. While England was more leisurely exploring the bays and rivers of the Atlantic coast and searching for gold and peltry, the Chevalier and priests of France were chasing their dreams in the north and telling the mystery of the cross to the Indian tribes of the far west. Coasting northward, her bold navigators discovered the mouth of the St. Lawrence, and in 1525, Cartier sailed up its broad current to the rocky heights of Quebec, and to the rapids above Montreal, which were afterward named La Chine, in the reason of the belief that the adventurers were about to find China. In 1609 Champlain pushed above the rapids and discovered the beautiful lake that bears his name. In 1615 priest La Caron pushed northward and westward through the wilderness and discovered Lake Huron. In 1635, the Jesuit missionaries founded the Mission St. Mary. In 1654, another priest had entered the wilderness of northern New York and found the salt springs of Onondaga. In 1659-60, French traders and priests passed the winter on Lake Superior and established missions along its shores. Among the earlier discoverers, no name shines out with more brilliancy than that of the Chevalier La Salle. The story of his explorations can scarcely be equalled in romantic interest by any of the stirring tales of the Crusaders. Born of a proud and wealthy family in the north of France, he was destined for the service of the Church and of the Jesuit order. But his restless spirit, fired with the love of adventure, broke away from the ecclesiastical restraints to confront the dangers of the New World and to extend the empire of Louis the Fourteenth. From the best evidence accessible, it appears that he was the first white man that saw the Ohio River. At twenty-six years of age, we find him with a small party near the western extremity of Lake Ontario, boldly entering the domain of the dreaded Iroquois, travelling southward and westward through the wintry wilderness until he reached a branch of the Ohio, probably the Allegheny. He followed it to the main stream and descended that, until in the winter of 1669 and 1670 he reached the falls of the Ohio, near the present site of Louisville. His companions refusing to go farther, he returned to Quebec and prepared for still greater undertakings. In the meantime, the Jesuit missionaries had been pushing their discoveries on the northern lakes. In 1673, Joliet and Marquette started from Green Bay, dragging their canoes up the rapids of Fox River, crossed Lake Winnebago, found Indian guides to conduct them to the waters of the Wisconsin, descended that stream to the westward, and on the 16th of June reached the Mississippi, near the spot where now stands the city of Prairie du Chien. One hundred and thirty-two years before that time, the Soto had seen the same river more than a thousand miles below, but during that interval it is not known that any white man had looked upon its waters. 
turning southward these brave priests descended the great river amid the awful solitudes the stories of demons and monsters of the wilderness which abounded among the indian tribes did not deter them from pushing their discoveries they continued their journey southward to the mouth of the arkansas river telling as best they could the story of the cross to the wild tribes along the shores returning from the kaskaskias and travelling thence to lake michigan they reached green bay at the end of september sixteen seventy three having on their journey paddled their canoes more than twenty five hundred miles marquette remained to establish missions among the indians and to die three years later on the western shore of lake michigan while joliet returned to quebec to report his discoveries in the meantime count frontenac a noble of france had been made governor of canada and found in la salle a fit counsellor and assistant in his vast schemes of discovery la salle was sent to france to enlist the court and the ministers of louis and in sixteen seventy seven to seventy eight returned to canada with full power under frontenac to carry forward his grand enterprises he had developed three great purposes first to realize the old plan of champlain the finding of a pathway to china across the american continent second to occupy and develop the regions of the northern lakes and third to descend the mississippi and establish a fortified post at its mouth thus securing an outlet for the trade of the interior and checking the progress of spain on the gulf of mexico in pursuance of this plan we find la salle and his companions in january sixteen seventy nine dragging their cannon and materials for shipbuilding around the falls of niagara and laying the keel of a vessel two leagues above the cataract at the mouth of cayuga creek she was a schooner of forty-five tons burden and was named the griffin on the seventh of august sixteen seventy nine with an armament of five cannon and a crew and company of thirty-four men she started on her voyage up lake erie the first sail ever spread over the waters of our lake on the fourth day she entered detroit river and after encountering a terrible storm on lake huron passed the straits and reached green bay early in september a few weeks later she started back for niagara laden with furs and was never heard from while awaiting the supplies which the griffin was expected to bring la salle explored lake michigan to its southern extremity ascended the st joseph crossed the portage to the kankakee descended the illinois and landing at an indian village on the site of the present village of utica illinois celebrated mass on new year's day sixteen eighty before the winter was ended he became certain that the griffin was lost but undaunted by his disasters on the third of march with five companions he began the incredible feat of making the journey to quebec on foot in the dead of winter this he accomplished he reorganized his expedition conquered every difficulty and on the twenty first of december sixteen eighty one with a party of fifty-four frenchmen and friendly indians set out for the present site of chicago and by way of the illinois river reached the mississippi february sixth sixteen eighty two he descended its stream and on the ninth of april sixteen eighty two standing on the shores of the gulf of mexico 
solemnly proclaimed to his companions and to the wilderness that in the name of louis the great he took possession of the great valley watered by the mississippi river he set up a column and inscribed upon it the arms of france and named the country louisiana upon this act rested the claim of france to the vast region stretching from the allegheny to the rocky mountains from the rio grande and the gulf to the farthest springs of the missouri i will not follow further the career of the great explorers enough has been said to exhibit the spirit and character of their work i would i were able to inspire the young men of this country with a desire to read the history of these stirring days of discovery that opened up to europe the mysteries of this new world as irving has well said of their work it was poetry put into action it was the night errantry of the old world carried into the depths of the american wilderness the personal adventures the feat of individual prowess the picturesque descriptions of steel-clad cavaliers with lance and helm and prancing steel glittering through the wilderness of florida georgia alabama and the prairies of the far west would seem to us mere fictions of romance did they not come to us in the matter-of-fact narratives of those who were eyewitnesses and who recorded minute memoranda of every incident end of section sixty